Well, hello and welcome in again to the Worship Life Podcast with Mike Harland. I am your co-host, Brian Brown. This is Music City, USA. We're high atop the Lifeway Building in the B.B. McKinney Studios. So, Mike, Brian, how are you today? As we record this, yes. our yes. beloved Tennessee Titans lost the AFC Championship They did. Game. They did. So it's going to be the Chiefs and the 49ers. Correct. And we're recording this, and the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. It happens in February, first, like 2nd so of February. do we want to go on record? Oh, make a prediction. Yeah. So the, this could air after the game, could air, this, and, and we'll know if we were right or this wrong. This will air after the game. So we're talking about the San Francisco 49ers, and we're talking about um, the Kansas City the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs who, who took care of our Titans. Um, boy, that's a really good question, Mike. I think it's going to be a great game. I'll Do say you? that. Do you I think, think it's going to be a good game? I think there's two really, really good teams. Mm-hmm. Um. My wife has informed me that the quarterback Uh-oh. of the 49ers is much is very very handsome. He's better looking and than the quarterback all, of the Chiefs. Well, I don't know, but she really likes Jimmy Garoppolo. Just, and so she's all in on the just San Francisco for the, for the post game purely aesthetically, which I think is wrong personally, but yeah. that she's she made sure I knew that Jimmy Garoppolo is a very handsome handsome quarterback. Uh, I honestly <laughs> I'm giving my wife a hard time. Um, honestly, I think it's going to be a great game. Man, it's hard me for me score. to pick. Give me a score. Oh, Kansas City's offense is so good, as we know as Titan fans. And the 49er defense. 49er defense is fantastic. I'm going to go 28-24 oh. Niners. Oh, Niners. He's pulling the, He's pulling for the Niners. Okay, so I, since you've taken the Niners, I'm going yes. to take the Chiefs. Okay. All right, so here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that they're going to – it's going to be kind of like the Titans game with the Chiefs. Okay. Uh, I expect the 49ers to come out, hit them in the mouth. They'll be up 10 to nothing. Uh, you'll think, oh, it's going to be bad. The Chiefs will make a adjustment. The Niners will score uh, 14 more points, so they'll have 24. But okay. about the start of, toward the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter, the Chiefs will start clicking with that high-powered offense, and they will win the game 34-24. Wow. Chiefs. You heard it here. Now, see, this is what the Worship Life podcast listeners have come to expect. Exactly. In-depth sports analysis, particularly uh, the National Football League. No, uh, it'll be fun to see if who was right and who was wrong. Should and all we put a little friendly you buy me lunch? If well, I don't want of... to encourage, you know, behaviors no. like that. But, yes, let's do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Keep <laughs> All right. going. But, Mike, we didn't come here today, the Worship Life Podcast, to talk about the Super Bowl, which is now long over and everybody's already forgotten who won. We want to talk about we, – we get questions all the time from worship pastors. You get calls. I get calls. We both have been in music ministry most of our lives. And so the list of questions that we get, some of them you just hear over and over again. So we've jotted some down, and we're going to do kind of yeah. Go ahead. uh, At the uh, we were at a we did a conference, uh, one of our Kempke conferences. We did this past week, and and every break was just like what we're about to do. Yeah. I mean, it was just what about and if you did that and I. So let's. So we've jotted a few down that we hear repeatedly, and we're going to kind of rapid fire potpourri, just pull up some questions that we hear from. Worship let's leaders use a Baptist and answer them, let's, you know, let's, one at a time. Let's say potluck. <laughs> see, that we okay. love potlucks, right? Yeah, we're going to have potluck, and okay. we're just going to see what, what casserole we open. So, Mike, a question I get uh, recently, why are there so few, and maybe it just seems like there are, so few upbeat, up-tempo worship songs? I have worship leaders tell me they're having a hard time putting a program together 
that has any up-tempo songs. Well, why I, is it? Modern worship, for some reason, tends to gravitate to a a lot of tom-tom drum patterns, a six-eight, a slow mm-hmm. six-eight, plodding, methodical. Uh, lyric writers love to write in 6-8 with those slow 6-8 tempos because it gives you so much space to say you don't have to be quite as judicious with your syllables when you have uh, slower tempos. And obviously worship, uh, the way that the modern worship movement embraces worship, it is so it the pathos of it. It's very emotive. Um, and and so you're finding it. I, I think whoever asked that question. I would agree that the modern worship movement is less oriented toward the the fast energetic opener and more oriented toward the six, five and six and sometimes seven minute long, um, very verbose, slow six, eight, um, intense melodic uh, structures uh, that that emote more. And so maybe the question, I, so I'm agreeing with the question in yeah. the sense that, yes, they're hard to find, but maybe we need to call this out uh, of the worship leaders, because I think the writers and the publishers that are writing Christian music today are producing what it is they think churches want them to do. Yeah. So if I would say to the asker of this question is we need to start looking more and more and more for these kinds of songs and I think, uh, Brian, you and I, and Craig Adams, our creative yep. director, yep. Lifeway Worship needs to start uh, making more of these kinds of songs a priority for us to find. And I would say, uh, I, so I'm not really answering the question other than acknowledging that I think it is a fair question to ask. And uh, and we need to be, uh, uh, the church needs to be writing more songs that have a little bit of a more energetic and brighter tempo. No doubt. And then, Mike, something that I've done because of the dearth of uh, upbeat songs, I think it's a great opportunity to go grab a hymn, an old hymn, sure. and use maybe an updated arrangement. Sure. You can find a lot sure. of those at lifeofworship.com and sure, other places. When you do that, be sure that your arrangement matches the tone and tenor of the text. Yes. Uh, you I know, agree with nobody that. wants to do when I survey the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this upbeat Sorrow jazz. and love flow yeah. mingled down. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we don't want to do that. I mean, let the <laughs> Turn text. Turn that into a, a nice rap. Yeah. And here's the other thing I want to say to worship planners. You need to, we need to own this too. Zoom way out of your worship service and look at the whole thing as one experience. Yes. And are you doing the same kind of song over and over, back to back to back to back to back? Do you have any variety of tempos and energies and feels in the course of your worship experience? And if you don't, you need to fight for that a little more to keep, so that it will remain interesting. And, no doubt. And P- people cannot stay in one experiential no. mode for long. You're going to lose them, and there has yeah. to be variety. It's just the way the human beings are wired. So it, it is a good way to get creative. And I agree, we have a responsibility to, to create more new songs that are in that in that vein f- to, to fill out the worship leader's platform. But the worship leader also has a responsibility yep. there too. All right. So we're, it's supposed to be potluck. We're opening the next casserole dish. Um, I talked to a worship leader. He said, my room that, that I lead the contemporary service in, it's a very traditional stained glass window, very bright, a lot of sunshine in the morning service when I'm leading organ, and yet we're trying to do Hillsong music. 
And, you know, as I'm practicing my, my praise team, we're used to a dark room, stro- you know, spotlights and staging. And I feel like that, that what I watch on the videos, they're able to create a mood that I can't create in my environment. What yeah, would you say so, to that? So, I mean, we could do what the movie theaters do. We could pass out glasses like in the back of the room <laughs> as people come in. Uh, no, I'm kidding, obviously. Well, I think our listeners that listen to us very much know that how I feel about lighting and worship. I think, I think brightness is a plus in worship. Not, yeah. uh, I, I really think the, the corporate ex- biblical example of worship is we need to see each other. This idea that, that I want to be in a dark room, so I won't be distracted by anything is, is, is really not what corporate worship's about. Corporate worship is about a shared experience that we all, we need to see each other. We need to hold each other accountable right. in participation. And if we're in this dark space where we're feeling basically alone, we can't do that. So I would challenge that aspect of the question. But I would go further to say that, yes, I know churches that have multiple worship styles and w- the room is more geared to facilitate one of those. The opposite could also the be true. We're doing the traditional true. service. And yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in a school gym, yeah. you know, whatever. So um, uh, I, I would say that the the use of your space is an important thing for a worship leader to think about. And what I would want to do in, in a contemporary setting is I would want to get as close to the congregation as possible. And many of those traditionally styled worship centers have a high platform that's mm-hmm. very distant up with a choir area that's yeah. that's separate from the congregation. That's by design. I would say the modern worship field needs uh, intimacy. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons we tend to do something with the lights is we're trying to keep Correct. Create, well, yeah. another way to create intimacy is to cut down space. So can you put a platform extension that gets yeah. you closer out? Can you move your 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 instruments to the floor and maybe even get right up there? So yeah. so try to find a way or can you can you close off sections of seating and create this more intimate uh, thing would be one of the things that I would look at. And then if the brightness of the sun is an issue really is an issue. It's not just uh, dim lights or not, but it's like the room is overwhelmed by by sunshine, whatever the time of day it is. You might even think about what kind of uh, curtain effect or veiled effect could we bring into the room. I know a church right now, they come immediately to mind, that has a, a very elaborate window system, but they've created these 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 screens mm-hmm. that can shade the windows somewhat just to kind of take down the glare a little bit just to create a little more intimate setting. Um, but but I would say the lighting is probably the, the one you have the least control over. Yeah. So try to create intimacy and proximity. It's and a great word, Mike. It. Immediately the image that came to my mind when I was a kid, uh, our listeners probably will have no memory of this at all, but we used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I don't yep. know if you ever feel... Yep. <laughs> no, I'm yep. just, I'm I remember a little that, bit. yes. Uh, so, but oftentimes, we had the big platform too, but on Wednesday night, Dad would come down, my, who Absolutely. was my pastor, he'd stand on the floor, and he yep. would just have a little stand, and it was a much more intimate setting. You can do the same thing musically. And I know Change a church, where you position yourself. I know a church has this big sanctuary, and they do a modern worship and a contemporary worship, I mean, a traditional worship. And their modern worship band, they have like a whole separate setup that's on the floor of their sanctuary and on a that's riser good. that's movable. Yeah. And so they they do that service down there on that those risers that are portable yeah. from the floor. Turn the lights of the stage and the choir loft completely off. It's black behind them. And then and then after that service is over, move the stages off real quickly and then light up the rest of the room. Great so idea. see if you can isolate um 
uh, in proximity and then maybe even turn off lights in the sanctuary that where aren't, there aren't people. It's very good. Listen, Mike, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to get into our next question. Something I think that a lot of people are struggling with is kind of this chord chart culture yeah. where you're handing chord charts to everybody, not realized parts, and you're really asking them to be musical arrangers and they don't have the capabilities. And I, hey, and can we do yeah. this? In the break, could we give away just I like think a, we'll special have a special discount? offer? Yeah, I'm feeling generous today. Let's let's do a discount. Let's or do it. Listen for that in the break. We'll be right back. Hey, listeners, Tim Henning here, aka the Red Box Guy. Now I know you know about the Red Box Choral Club, but today I want to tell you about LifewayWorship.com. If you haven't visited LifewayWorship.com lately, I want to encourage you to check it out. You'll find all kinds of congregational music at this site, including charts where you can choose your key, a dynamic search feature that lets you pick topics or verses, awesome worship sets for Easter and other holidays, and so much more. Oh, and if you use Planning Center online, you can actually press a button and your music will instantly be uploaded to Planning Center. And hey, as a thank you for visiting, we're giving you five free downloads at LifewayWorship.com. Just use the promo code podcast 20 that's p-o-d-c-a-s-t-2-0 at checkout to receive your five free downloads worth up to two dollars and fifty cents each remember the code is podcast 20 now let's rejoin brian and mike okay we're back on the worship live podcast with mike harland and mike we were just going into the break. We were going to talk about the chord chart praise band. Oh, yeah. You know, when you and I were coming up, every instrument had a realized part that they were reading. Uh, and usually every instrument was the piano and the organ when, yeah, we, exactly. when we were really young. But they had a, a completely realized part uh, that, that a musician, there was an arranger, little, these had, little had written out. These of ink that yes. were like on a piece of paper Correct. and they had these lines on them. Yeah, and they exactly. directly correlated to what you played on your instrument. But exactly. now, as you know, we're handing out chord charts. And so what this minister of music said to me, he goes, Brian, what we're doing is asking each individual musician in the rhythm section or the band or whatever, now we're asking them to be arrangers to know when not to play. You know, in the old days, yeah. if it was a rest, you didn't play. Yeah. So the the arranger, the, the chief musician who created the work, created it in such a way that when you played the notes on the page, it was realized as as it should be. But now every single person's got Boy, an instrument they, yeah. and all they've got to chord. They can play any inversion. They can play any volume. They can play any yeah. rhythm. They can. So what do you do? How do you coach right, a so band I've, in I've that got situation? Three or four things. With, got of three. volunteers. All right. So number one, make make sure that your team knows how to really read a rhythm chart. Yeah. Um, at LifeWayWorship.com, and we're certainly not the only ones that do this, but I guarantee you LifeWayWorship.com does it. Uh, there's a whole lot of information on rhythm charts that some churches may not even know is there. Yeah. They see the chord names, they see the lyric and how it all matches up, but there are symbols of all kinds on a rhythm chart that can help that bass player or help that piano player, guitar player do some things that if only their reading of the chord names and the lyric stuff and matching that, they may be missing a lot of the instructions that are already on the chart. So, so I would tell the worship leader out there, make sure you're an expert on chart reading and then teach your people how to read a chart accurately because it's probably, it could very well be telling them more than they know that it's telling them because there's some subtle symbols that are in place. And I know LifeWayWorship.com, those, those Lead Sheet Plus and those rhythm charts have a lot of information on them. All right, so that's number one. If you one, know where to look. If you know yeah. where to look and learn how to do that. And yep. you know what? Come to Worship Life. 
Yeah. And go we to one of help. our breakouts that we would have about how to make your rhythm section better and all of that. I mean, bring your bring your band to Worship Life and let, let us help you train them on how to read a chart well. All right, so put that over there. Now, back to really the core question you've had. There's no question that we are we are depending on our volunteer average lay people rhythm players to reproduce what the artist did yeah. in in the studio. Now we live in Music City, Brian, as you know. Yes. And we're in studios all the time. We work with the finest musicians in the world. I mean, we Indeed. when we go to a Lifeway Worship recording session, we are literally hearing the finest recording musicians in the world. They're yeah. right here in our town. And when you minister music, send the YouTube video yeah. to your band or whatever demo you might have of it, along with a chord chart, yeah. and that's all they get. Yeah. You're basically saying to them, hey, and we want you to reproduce what the finest drummer, the guitar right. player, we want you to do what he did. Volunteer Or what the musician. artist did. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it can be uber frustrating for a perfectionist that you might have on your team. But even worse than that, it can become a quagmire of noise really, really fast. And you might actually be asking them to do something that they don't have the musical proficiency to even pull off. It's, and you know what? You're not getting the very best they have when you do that. Right. So, so I would ask several questions. Number one, what are you doing to help them grow as a musician? Number two, why not look for those opportunities where you don't just pass out the rhythm chart? But there are realized parts. It, like, again, at LifewayWorship.com, mm-hmm. we have realized parts to many, many, many of these songs. Yeah. Not all of them, but many yeah. of them. And 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 why not invest in the musical capabilities of your people? Why not take them to a conference like Worship Life? Why not help them understand how a rhythm section works together? I think about uh, some Craig Adams, our creative director. Craig mm-hmm. is brilliant at this, at knowing... You know, that uh, I mean, a lot of church musicians may not realize that what the bass player is doing and what the drummer is doing with yeah. his kick drum Critical. should be completely aligned with each other. Critical. They should not be competing with it. They should mm-hmm. be. And I, I saw I saw a funny meme on social media this past week of a piano player that had put in, put a note on the left hand area of the keyboard that said, we have a bass player. <laughs> uh, just to remind them, I don't have to reproduce a yeah. bass line. We have a bass player. And the piano players can learn how to play around a full rhythm section. If your piano player is someone that was classically cha- trained in, in, in piano and have never played with the rhythm section before, they're yep. probably walking all over the rest of the rhythm section. No doubt about it. And they're it. not, and, you, and, and so it's not going well. So, so the question, it's a great question, and I would turn around and ask it a, a, a follow-up question, is what are you doing, worship leader, to help your rhythm players, uh, first of all, read a rhythm chart accurately. Mm-hmm. Secondly, give them some real music sometimes. Help them develop those chops. Don't settle for what the easiest thing you can get is, but go further, find more developed arrangements. Third, don't don't just ask them to pull things together from a video or from an audio demo, and you're basically asking them to do something they're not musically proficient enough to do. And then how you rehearse your rhythm section. Don't always rehearse your rhythm section with six vocalists there. Right, but have some rhythm-only rehearsals where you're really breaking the song down and building it one instrument at a time, and making sure that all the parts are working together. Get some training. Find out how rhythm sections should work well with each other, and train your people to to succeed in this. Because at the end of the day, 
it's really on us as leaders to make sure our people have what they need to do it the very best way they can. The goal of a worship leading team, whether it's a band or vocalist, is to be so on with what they're doing that they don't distract yeah, or, right. or take away from the congregational experience. And if your band is playing all over themselves, trying to attempt things they can't accomplish because they're imitating a video with a chord chart they don't know how to read, yeah. uh, you are not positioning your church to do their very best in worship. I hope you'll Agreed. address that as soon as you can. Hey, we've got one more. I think we've got time to squeeze in here. And this was about singing. You you talked about the singers a, a little while ago. Um we, we are living in an era now where people did not grow up singing harmony in church mm-hmm. uh, very often. A lot of times the congregational singing these days is purely unison in nature. And so when you get people joining a praise team that have never had training in harmony singing, uh, there, a lot of times you get someone that's got a pretty good ear. But trying to teach them to really sing a specific harmony part, uh, Minister of Music was coming to me saying, you know, my volunteers want to sing by ear. They think they're better at it than they actually are. Are, and they don't want to be held to a specific part. So I'm wondering, Mike, if you, as you've worked with volunteers over the years, how do you convince someone who maybe maybe the singer's convinced they can't read music, they can't mm-hmm. follow a specific part? You know, how do you navigate that this with, is especially, with uh, volunteers? This is very common in the modern worship songs when they're written and led by tenors hmm. in their power yeah. range because yeah. a soprano is cannot sing in that part of her register without sounding like she's Beverly Seals at the Opera House. Right. And uh, and which sopranos don't want to do that on a vocal team or even in a congregational setting. Yeah. So a lot of times the keys these songs are in and the fact that the tenor voice is often the leading voice puts the sopranos in a position of having to sing harmony a lot more than most sopranos are wanting to do. Mm-hmm. So yes, get charts that have vocal parts written out. Just yeah. they are they exist. Again, lifewayworship.com, we've got vocal parts. And have a good old fashion rehearsal on the parts and help those sopranos, those people, maybe even an alto that's learning. You can help a singer, a, even a volunteer choir member or a praise team member. They can grow in their skill with following the melodic notes and have rehearsals instead of just Sunday morning being the glorified sound check where everybody just kind of throws it together. Prepare your singers to sing those songs with good rehearsals and good charts that parts are well written and they are uh, and that music's in front of them and you hammer it out. Take a retreat. Do it three times a year where you take your 20 singers off site. They don't all sing at the same time, but they and you and learn a 15 title song list of new songs that we're going to be using in the next six months and to and do it in a retreat setting without a full band that's a great idea and and learn and learn 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 the songs learn the songs before you throw it all together on a sunday morning yeah. Uh, and try to make uh, people do it on the fly. Yeah, I think that's a great the, the retreat. And setting. I'll say this too. Yeah, go ahead. I'll throw one more thing. Uh, don't feel like you have to move on to new arrangements and versions of songs all the time. Build a repertoire that you can go back to. Yeah, a song that they have confidence and go repeat things that you yeah. know they sing well and reinforce the wins that they have on songs that they know really, really well. Yeah, it's a great word, Mike. This is a, another indication of the problem of too many new songs too frequently added to the mix. When you're dealing with limited rehearsal time, you're dealing with volunteers, you're dealing with amateur musicians, it's just yet another reason. First of all, your congregation can't handle all those new songs anyway, even though you find Absolutely. them so fascinating right. and interesting. But your musicians and your singers can't handle 
handled them either. You're not going to do worship well if you try to introduce too many new songs, and singers is just a part of that. And I think yeah. it's a, almost a sickness we have yeah. as musicians. We get by, we get bored. Yeah, you know, we get bored. With I, our, with I heard the a comedian say one time. Uh, I think it was David Letterman. He said, "You know, just he goes, he goes." I, I, Right about the time a comedian's getting sick of a joke, people are just now laughing you at it. You know what? Can I give another yeah. example? Yeah, please. Uh, uh, almost every evening if we're home, and, you know, the work day's over, uh, the dinner is about to be served, my wife and I will have the TV on. And you know what we're watching? We're watching the Andy Griffith Show. Yeah. Episodes that we have seen thousands of times. We used to, Every time yeah. we'd drive from Texas to Mississippi at Christmas, we were watching Andy Griffith DVDs the whole way. Our kids, we can reenact whole scenes <laughs> right. of episodes. Do they, are those episodes old to us? As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. When one comes on, like we had one that came on recently, oh, that one! And we yeah. sit down and love it and laugh again. We know every joke. We're almost in... Songs are that way, too. People yeah. love songs they know. Yeah. And one of the reasons our, our musicians and our singers struggle is we keep throwing this velocity of songs at people, and they don't know no them. Yeah, so, the, the so, song you're sick of, they're just now learning. And then the song that they <laughs> loved that they sang all the time yeah. 10 years ago, they want to sing it again. They do. And, yeah. they, and because and they, know the parts. they know it. Because they know because the Because they know it. And, and can I, sing yeah, it with abandon. That's a great word. When you when you repeat the familiar, you're much more likely to be successful. And as we said so many times. The message of the gospel is too important for distractions, and those kind of things are are distractions. Well, listen, we want to hear from you. We'd love uh, to have more questions added to the list that we can answer in our next Potpourri podcast. What are those nagging things that you deal with in rehearsals and with volunteers and musicians every single week? Email us, worship at lifeway.com. Join us at worshiplife.com on the podcast. Join us in Twitter and Facebook, wherever it is, social media you'd like to interact, and let us know what kind of questions you'd like to hear, Mike address on the Worship Life podcast. Until next time, for Mike Harlan, this is Brian Brown saying thanks for joining us on the Worship Life podcast with Mike Harlan. We'll be back together to talk about worship and music in ministry very soon. Mm-hmm.